Quinn of Love Never Fails heard daily on Bible School Radio, 91.3 KDKR Decatur, Dallas, Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, what is the latest on student loans? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. So where are we in the world of student loan debts? College administration expert John Upalo is here today to give us his take on the latest in the world of student loans. It's good to talk to you, John. How are you today? Bob, I'm doing great. Nice to be with you this afternoon. Lots to cover. I will start with, uh, I had on the program yesterday, Charlie Weiss. He's the Senior Vice President and Head of Global Research for TransUnion. And they do a research study, uh, look at all kinds of variables. What's great about TransUnion, of course, is they're a, a credit reporting agency. And they've got, the, I mean, they're as close to the pulse of anything. They see all the, the real data over millions and millions of people. And uh, I, 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 was, I knew you and I were going to talk, so I, I said, i got to ask him about student loan debts. And this is what he had to say. He said, it's an interesting time right now because if you miss a payment, it's not a great, it's not a great thing, but that delinquency is not being reported as a delinquent account to the bureaus. So consumers are still, even though they are required to make payments, they're still getting a little bit of relief from not having those negative mispayments show up on their credit reports. And so we are seeing people making payments, but some of them have returned to that payment pattern more slowly than others. <laughs> that is a, that's a carefully worded um, answer. And, I, and maybe, I, maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. It just seems to me that that answer from a, 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 a guy who is as close to the numbers as anybody can get is saying, boy, there's a lot of people not paying their student loan, their student loan payments, and this, this could be ugly. What, what, do you, what do you interpret from that? Yeah, Bob, it's really interesting. And by the way, I, I listen to that show because I, I actually not only contribute, but I listen to you either on the podcast or whatever. And I, I thought he, it was a really artful answer that he gave. Um, and the, the reason he gave that answer, and I'm, I'm, if I, you know, I might have looked at it a little different. If I were him, I might have said, you know, Bob, this is not our problem yet. And the reason it's not our problem yet is that the government, when they started the repayment program, said of to the students back in the fall last year, you're going to have to start paying again. But if you don't, we're going to give you this one-year on-ramp, so we're not going to have any consequences if you miss your payment. And so that in its own right is, all, is meant to be helpful, right? Say, look, we, we know you're going to be jolted here. You have to redo your whole cash flow. You've got to start making good on your payments. 
But the other side of the message is, well, if you don't get around to it in the first year, there's going to be no consequence. So I think it, that was an interesting message. But to get to your point, um, there are a lot of people who are really interested to know how many students are going to be able to make those payments, are they going to be able to make the full payments, and what the story is. And so the data is starting to come around. And I think what your guest yesterday, Charlie Wise, said was really smart because the November, early December data showed that out of the borrowers who started to repay, remember there are about 35 million or so, uh, about that number of, of, uh, re- of student loan repayers, only about 60% of them made the first payment. Um, so 20-something million, they can do the math, it's all kind of rough. But So about 60% made those first payment or two, which means 40% did not. Um, so, you know, again, you can look at this, you want to say the glass is half full or half empty or half empty, but maybe half full, whatever, you, whatever your flavor is, um, there's um, news there that you can write an article and you can say, oh, the good news is without any consequences, 60% of the borrowers started to repay just as they should have. Or if you want to write the article on the other side and say, boy, this is going to be pretty dire, 40% of those who were supposed to start paying didn't make the first payment. Um, I, I'm kind of in the, in the middle of that, if I can be in the middle of it. Uh, I think that the government is in such a chaotic mess right now mm-hmm. when it comes to doing anything with student loans, with the FAFSA. They, they, have, they have their hands so far full that if they can push something down the road, they're going to do that. And I think what their plan was with this whole, we're going to give everybody a one-year break and then we'll start having some consequences, is that they knew a year ago that they were going to have trouble, a lot of trouble this fall. We didn't understand how much trouble. I think they probably about a year ago knew about how much trouble. And so it'd be kind of easy for them to say, look, you know what? People want to pay. That's great. If they don't pay, it's, as like your guest said yesterday, it's really not good because the interest right now is piling up if you're not making that payment, right? It's not like they're forgiving the interest. So you may not get a ding mark on your credit score and you may not be reported to the agencies, but you're, you still owe that money and you're going to owe even more next month when the interest accrues on the payment you didn't make. So it's not good. And so I think what the government wanted to say is we're going to let this kind of fall down the track. We'll see what happens. And then this is my prediction. I have no idea if this is true or not. In the spring of now, spring of 2024, we're going to get hard on this idea that borrowers need to go and make sure they're in the right repayment program. You know, they have that new save program, and it's really meant to make it really easy for borrowers who can't pay to kick the can down the road or eventually have a loan forgiveness on their loan. And I think that if Again, if they're planning this, I hope they are, they would be really smart for them to say, get out there and call your servicer and get this straightened out and start making your payments before the consequences kick in. So um, a long answer to a really simple question. The last thing I'll say, Bob, don't forget, even in the, in the olden days, meaning before the pandemic, <laughs> 20 or 25 percent of the, the borrowers were not paying anyway, right? right. They were often yeah, delinquent point. to begin with. Right. So they're not all that far away. Forty percent now going down to twenty five, twenty. I could see that happening. Yeah, I guess I look at it from the standpoint of sixty forty. Is that better than I thought it would be? 
You know what I mean? Is it better or is it uh, worse than I thought? It would? I think that's a little bit actually better than I thought it would be. I'm with you. I I thought that it would be slower. Uh, but the other part of this, again, and you know, your guest yesterday made a great point, which was during the pandemic, there was a lot of cash in consumers' pockets. Savings rates were up. Credit card rates were down. They were paying down their outstanding debts, so they had more cash flow available. And so I think coming out of this, there were more consumers in a better place to actually start making those payments. Because again, Bob, not a lot of student loan borrowers were impacted significantly by the job crunch. Lots and lots and lots of those folks kept their jobs. So they had money, they had disposable income, they weren't piling up huge amounts of credit card debt. So when the repayment restart came about, it was a little bit easier for them to reach in their pockets and make that student loan payment. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because you, you can, a statistic you can take and, and turn it several different ways, and you can answer a question several different ways, however, however you want to color it. And uh, it, it, at the end of the day, it, it, is, it is a mess. You know, something that, that uh, a question that I had, and I, and I think you've answered it, if you, let's say that you were paying $100 a month starting back this fall, you're supposed to be paying $100 a month and you don't pay it, and you start making your payments, you know, 10 months down the road, or when you're supposed to, when the 12 months is over with, do you still owe that $1,200 immediately, or is it just, just, is it just a rolling balance? Does that make it's sense? It's a rolling balance, and you're going to owe the interest on what you didn't pay, okay. right? And so it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to compound, and that's what gets people into trouble. And that, that's why, um, you, you know, your guest yesterday said two things, again, um, that you and I have talked about, and it's just great consumer finance, consumer health, consumer education. He said two things. He said, know what you owe and plan, right? And, and we've been talking about that with the student loans particularly. Know what you owe. Do you have a federal student loan or do you have a private student loan? How much are they? Who your servicer is? But know what your situation is. Know what you owe. And then have a plan to pay it down. Um, so I, I think that it was just terrific to have us sort of back-to-back like this because the messaging, no matter if you have an auto loan or a mortgage or a student loan, whatever it is, know what you owe and have a plan to pay it. It's great advice. Yeah, uh, Charlie is, a, is, a, is a, a great interview. He comes, he, he comes on about once a year when they do these research reports. And like I said, it, it's nice to, to – uh, to get that information from someone so close to what's going on, you know, being a credit reporting agency. Uh, lots, lots of stuff to consider. And uh, one of the things that I like to do every once in a while is when we get together on the, on the program is talk about various news items that I see. And, and I keep seeing news items, and it just seems like he's not going to give up. But Joe Biden wants to cancel this student uh, <laughs> loans so very, very badly and he's at it again, and he's looking for loopholes. So uh, talk about uh, where, uh, you know, it, it's, some, it, it's, it's unlikely that he's going to get this done, I, I would think. But uh, tell me what, what's going on, if there's anything new. Yeah, so this is really very interesting. So Biden's original plan, just to remind everybody, was to uh, forgive 27 million borrowers' loans. It's about 60% of all the borrowers who are out there. And the cost of that 
to the government, to taxpayers, to me and you, Bob, but to, to taxpayers, would have been somewhere between three and four hundred billion dollars, uh, probably about a quarter of all the debt that was outstanding. And so it's just I love the way you said it. I'm, I'm glad you chuckled because I, I chuckled when I when I read this. But uh, and I want to tell you this, because in December, um, you and I had a conversation and you said, John, what's going on here? Every time I turn around, the president's forgiving loans. And I said, oh, Bob, on December 14th, he announced a five billion dollar relief program for 80,000 borrowers. And they're going to fix the income driven repayment and the public service loan forgiveness. And in the press release, I saw that brings the total forgiveness to $132 billion. Now, here's the punchline. On January 19th, just last week, a little before we talked, um, you get to ask me the same question. And it's the same exact answer. He gave $4.9 billion in relief for 74,000 borrowers. And the press release says to fix the income-driven, uh, income-driven repayment programs and public service loan forgiveness, and now the announcement is we now have forgiven $136 billion for 3.7 million borrowers. So it's almost like every month they're dripping out another $5 billion here and another $5 billion there. And they're not going to get to $300 billion, but they sure are making a, a case to get to $150 billion before the election. Uh, so I, I'm with you. Uh, there, He's out there. He's kind of dripping this out. It's becoming – I laugh because – as someone who used to write press releases for politicians, you like to like have a little template. And so this one is fill in billions of release, number of borrowers, and send it out on a new date. And you've got a whole press release sitting right there. So, um, yes, the, the, the debt relief uh, and the um, idea that we're going to somehow forgive lots and lots of student loans is still top of mind at the Department of Education for the Biden administration. And they are doing it. Um, so that's that's kind of the news of the day. Um, the other thing I'll say on the other side of the coin, um, though, is that lots of what they're doing was really meant to fix administrative problems that borrowers who were promised that they would be eligible for some kind of student loan forgiveness. There were kinks in the program. There were documentation problems. There was all kinds of it was another. Guess what? We're here from the government to help you relieve your student loans, and it's a big fiasco. Well, that was a big fiasco as well, and now they're trying to kind of work that through. And I'm pretty conservative when it comes to managing money, but I also believed in the sanctity of contracts. And so if you say to somebody, look, we're going to do this if you do that, and then the borrower does what they were supposed to do, but the government wasn't set up right to actually make it happen, um, I think maybe there's a case to be made to say, you know, we're going to go back and we'll, we're going to fix this so you got what we promised you. And I think that's, you know, for politicians, it's really important to be able to do that. And this last $10 billion of relief in January and back in December seems like it was really aimed toward trying to fix the administrative glitches that occurred when borrowers who were promised the forgiveness programs weren't able to access them. So. Um, it is what it is, but yes, another $5 billion was announced this month, the last month. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I look at this, and, and I'm not downplaying it that it is a problem, but think about all the problems that uh, the administration could be focused on right now. And I don't think the student loan debt would be up there, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> Let's talk about another fiasco. The one that you love to talk about, the FAFSA form, and when you, you sent me an email today and you said, 
FAFSA, FAFSA Fiesco, Fiesco has uh, just imploded into a full-scale disaster. Uh, I can't even imagine what's going on with the uh, FAFSA form. Talk, talk, give us an update on that. Yeah, so so the update, um, and I, you know, I, honestly, I thought I was being clever back in October. I did a webinar called the FAFSA fiasco, and you know, we talked about that, and people were sort of sidebar me, say, oh, you know, take it easy, don't go so hard on the department. They're trying to fix this, and this is in October. Um, in October, they were saying to people, sometime in December, you remember this, Bob, the litany was sometime mm-hmm. in December, the form will be available. It's not going to be available October 1 because we're simplifying it, but it's become complicated, so it'll be in December. And then in November, they said, oh, by the end of December, it will be available, and they still weren't giving a date. And then guess what? It was like Christmas and the day after Christmas, and so that's pretty close to the end of December. And then finally they said, we're going to have a soft launch <laughs> before January 1st. And so everybody said, okay, they're going to soft launch. Well, no, no explanation of what soft launch meant. So, but what it meant, Bob, was on December 31st, they put a link up to get to a FAFSA form that almost nobody was able to fill out. But they were able to say, as required by law, we put the FAFSA form up before January 1. And then from January 1st and 2nd, as the reports were coming in that there was all kinds of uh, software problems and glitches here and there, they were in the process of saying, okay, we're going to try and fix this. And then, lo and behold, in the middle part of January, there was a huge uproar. And the uproar was because in the time period of 2023, that whole year, people, like people in the know, said, by the way, Department of Education, you're supposed to adjust these benefits for the Pell Grants for inflation. And the department said, oh, yeah, that's right. And then in the fall period, they acknowledged that the algorithm, the equation, the way they're actually taking the information and processing did not adjust for inflation. And they said, but we're going to fix that next year. We've got too much to do now, so we'll fix it next year. The middle of January this year, 2024, just a couple, three weeks ago, it became a disaster because the department said, we have to fix it now because we are underestimating the amount of aid that these students, today's high school seniors and kids in college, could be eligible for by $1.8 billion dollars. So we have to make these adjustments right now. And then it became an all-out disaster because what they basically said was the form that they had in place was not calculating properly. And so a sort of long story short on all of this is from that day until today, there has been a complete meltdown in the system. Borrowers, borrowers, I say uh, filers, those who need to file the FAFSA form, have not had access to the form. There's all kinds of problems. They, they would go through the entire form, and at the very end, it would say, unable to calculate. And that's because they did. They were in the process of adjusting their formula. Now, I, I think that's all been kind of straightened out, but it's still a bit of a fiasco. And then, lo and behold, to like shift the attention again, yesterday, the Department of Education says, we understand that we have a big problem here. It's affecting all these families, but also the schools. Because we told the schools we can't even give you any of the information to calculate your financial aid until sometime in March. So they announced yesterday that they have a, a new program, Bob. This is really quite brilliant. 
they're, they're going to have a concierge service for certain schools who need help processing the forms. And so this came out yesterday, oh and I, 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 put a, I put a post up, uh, someone commented on, on something, and I said, they couldn't even get the regular service right, and now we're going to have a concierge service? I don't see how that's going to help. So anyway, um, this is um, just, it is now a full-fledged disaster from fiasco. Um, and again, there are two groups who are, are really suffering through this. Those families who have high school seniors, mostly, because they don't know how much federal aid they might be eligible for, and they've already filed the applications. A lot of the application decisions are coming back, and the financial aid award letters that are coming are saying, well, here's what we think your financial aid package may be pending our receipt of information from the government that you file with your FAFSA, which means it could all change. So it's really tough. So the schools are in a bad place. The, these borrowers and, uh, I'm sorry, the applicants, the families, those who are going to be borrowing under the student loan programs, uh, it, it's just been an absolute mess. And uh, it, it, there's really, um, there's no excuse for it. And I, I, my, my biggest concern with all of this was that the department sometime in 2023 knew that they were going to have a big issue. And instead of coming clean and saying, by the way, this is what's happening, and here's why, what we might need to do. They soft-shoot this all the way from sometime in December to we're going to have concierge service to help schools in a four-month period. Um, and they could have done a much better job of at least communicating what the facts were so families would understand how to deal with this. Um, so, yeah, it's a big mess, and I'm on a soapbox, but it's really just absolutely awful. It's awful for families and schools. So what is the... Let's take two different families. Let's take the family that has got a, 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 a child that's going to be a freshman next year, and they have not they have not filed yet. They have not filed and gotten the FAFSA and done it. Is it? I mean, what at what point does it become too late? Is it, do you kind of miss a a, 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 a deadline that, that's out there? There there are several deadlines, um, and one of them is by this by each school. So now the schools are adjusting their deadlines, but more importantly, the states have deadlines for allocation of their aid. And again, we're mostly talking about need based aid. So these are grants, these are scholarships mm-hmm. that don't have to be repaid. So this is the best aid there is. So the states, and then some of the scholarship providers use the FAFSA forms, and they do have deadlines. Uh, so I think in, in this really unique time, the, the very best advice to any family is to go file that form as soon as you can. I understand that the, the data retrieval from the IRS is actually working pretty well. There may be some other issues around. There's a Facebook group up on FAFSA. Uh, you can go and look at that. There are some really great um, folks who are giving advice on very specific things to do, some of these workarounds. Um, so there's some information out there. but. Um, again, I think the best advice is try to get that form in as soon as you possibly can. Uh, if you need some help, talk to the school. Um, check out the Facebook group on FAFSA completion. Um, there are, again, really good in-the-weeds experts who are giving some unbelievably detailed advice about how to work around some of these issues that some of the filers are starting to encounter. And you left out one great website that should be everybody's resource for college, mycollegecorner.com. Well, thank you for that. And, Bob, I will say this. Um, we were the first ones to put the new inflation-adjusted 
uh, equation into our our uh, into our calculator. So mycollegecorner.com. Uh, yeah, I don't think, and honestly, as of yesterday, nobody else had. The departments is not up. That's the awesome. others. So That's if, awesome. if any of your listeners need help, they should go to mycollegecorner.com, use the SAI calculator to get the best estimate available. Thank you. John, always great information. Good to have you on the program. Talk to you next month. Be safe. You as well, Bob. Thank you. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. If you've got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com. Send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.